0: Good Mornings, I'm Chris Oaks and coming up today it's time to kick off another season of high school football. New head coaches at the area's largest and smallest schools have very different challenges in guiding their teams. We hear from the Finley Trojans, Stephan Adams, and the Van Loo Wildcats, Lee Summers. Also this morning, Marathon Center Executive Director Heather Clough gives us an update on the restart of local performing arts shows and the challenges that remain for the live entertainment industry. Award-winning entrepreneur and philanthropist Tom Lewis explains why today's popular culture has it backwards when it comes to career and life success from his book, Solid Ground. And we have another collection of tasty and easy recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, August 20th, 2021. My goodness, is it a... Big, big day today. Not only is it the first week of high school football, first Friday of high school football season, it is also, get this, National Bacon Lovers Day, National Chocolate Pecan Pie Day, National Lemonade Day, Virtual Worlds Day, World Mosquito Day. Could probably do without that one. And it is National Radio Day. So... I mean, what more do you need? You've got football, you've got bacon, you've got lemonade, you've got National Radio Day. (laughs) This is a big day. By the way, speaking of high school football and the fact that the crowds will be back this year when last year it was such limited capacity for the uh, for the games. Uh, The crowd is a big part of it. A new study published by Frontiers in Sports and Active Living finds that rooting for your favorite team might actually help them win. Sports teams that play home games with no fans in the stands during the COVID-19 pandemic had less of a home field advantage than they would performing in front of crowds. And I think we instinctively knew this. But last year's Limited capacity crowds and empty stadiums gave researchers a chance to put it to the test. And they crunch the numbers and they find that there is indeed a home field advantage. It is a real thing. They say in part it is due to the officials feeling less psychological pressure with no crowds, leading them to be more objective. Okay. I, I know. I know a lot of sports officials will uh, will dispute that, but that's what the numbers actually say, apparently. And the <laughs> and the more objective the officials are, it says the fewer wins by the home team. So there is <laughs> there is such a thing as a home field advantage, at least according to uh, to this study. Really looking forward to the uh, kickoff of high school football season. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started here. Look at this. Toys R Us making a comeback. The retailer, it says, is teaming up with Macy's to sell toys on their website and open up Toys R Us stores within a store. So it'll be a mini Toys R Us pop-up store within Macy's. The uh, pairing, it says, should help Macy's compete against the likes of Target and Walmart. And the pop-up shop concept will be rolling out to 400 Macy's department stores next year. They say their uh, toy sales have grown in the past year as parents try to entertain their kids during the pandemic, and they expect... The uh, toy come back to continue, and so they've enlisted Toys R Us. Now, here's the here's the thing that I wondered when I saw this story: Toys R Us making come back by put, putting their stores, pop up stores inside of Macy's, which is another struggling retailer. I don't know <laughs> if that's necessarily going to be uh, all it's cracked up to be, but I guess we'll I guess we'll find out. In any event. Kind of an interesting story there. We always have to have something to be worried about. And here is uh, the latest thing that will kill you. Apparently, it is hot dogs. Uh, Findings come from a study at the University of Michigan. They say every hot dog that a person eats shortens their life by 36 minutes. (laughs) Every hot dog you eat. Shortens your life by 36 minutes. Um, the uh, study created a standardized way of assessing uh, assessing the carbon footprint and nutritional impact of almost 6,000 different foods. And the researchers found that on average, 0. 0.45 minutes are lost per gram of any processed meat that a person eats in the U.S. So nearly half a minute, we lose About 25, 30 seconds of our life for every processed meat that we eat in the U.S. I'm not sure that I buy this because I'm thinking if that's true, if every hot dog you eat shortens your life by 36 minutes. Then that means Joey Chestnut is a zombie like 10 times over, isn't it? How many uh, hot dogs he eaten? in the uh, it was hot dog eating contests. He, sh- he should have been dead 12 years ago. Um, now I, I don't know if I buy it, but that's what they say. So 36 minutes. You shorten your life by every die- hot dog that you eat. Okay, then. Um, along those same lines, this is kind of interesting. Uh, almost half of Americans in a new one poll study say they are concerned that they will never have another pain-free day in their lives. Uh, this study shows 2,000 Americans are asked about their daily schedule, and the impact on their lives of dealing with common aches and pains. And almost half of respondents say that they will never have a pain-free day again. On average, the typical American says they only have 13 truly pain-free days out of the year. So, you can make up this what you will, but I, again, I saw the story. My first reaction is... Do we have more pain these days? Are we suffering from more aches and pains? The average person asked in the poll feels six years older than they actually are because of the effects of aches and pains. So do we have more aches and pains today or have we just gone soft? You decide. And uh let's see. What else is uh, going on? Oh, I saw this, which really surprised me. Um, We know that teenagers are very tech savvy, right? Uh, Teenagers, very comfortable around technology. They've lived with it all their lives as compared to older Americans who did not grow up with smartphones and tablets and laptops. But teenagers, despite their comfort level and familiarity with technology are still uh, very much susceptible to online scams. According to a new study from Social Catfish, which is an uh, identity verification website, teenagers are falling for online scams faster than their older counterparts, faster than their grandparents even. And again, this is something, how often do we have the stories in the news about uh internet scams and and things like that and we warn seniors in particular because we think that older folks who are less comfortable with technology less familiar with the uh ins and outs of it all uh, are more susceptible to this and they may be more susceptible but they're not falling for these things as much as teenagers are um David mcclellan the president of Social Catfish says when kids go to school they learn about math and science and they even learn about sex and drugs but they don't learn about online safety maybe it's just because we aren't thinking that they are as vulnerable as older americans but the study shows that the under 20 age group is being scammed online at a faster rate than any other age group uh, Mr. McClellan says his team spent three months working on this report using data from the FBI and the FTC. So moral of the story, have this conversation with your kids, have this conversation with your kids, even though they are, uh, tech savvy, they are still very much vulnerable apparently. And, uh, finally among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday started, a sports related uh, story, Um, I know it's first Friday night of football, but I have a baseball story (laughs) here. Uh, A stolen base. This is what it says. A stolen base is nothing special in a baseball game unless you are literally stealing the base. Milwaukee Brewers infielder Colton Wong did just that Wednesday night in a game against his former team, the St. Louis Cardinals. After successfully stealing a base off nine-time Golden Glove winner and former teammate Yadier Molina, Uh, Wong took the base, literally took the base after his team pulled out a victory at Bush Stadium. In a video on social media, uh, Colton Wong showed off the base and said, this one is mine, Yachty. (laughs) Now that is that is a stolen base. Uh, No two ways about it and interesting stuff there. Anyway, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started here.
1: WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast will have fog this morning, giving way to mostly sunny skies, light winds, and a high of 85. Humble Robinson Development has purchased a 35-acre site adjacent to the planned Amazon distribution facility on Findlay's northeast side. According to a release from Findlay Hancock Economic Development, the site will be marketed for development by Humble Robinson in cooperation with the development organization. The site is in the southeast corner of Bigelow and Crystal Avenues, though access will be gained from Bright Road. State health officials released the latest COVID-19 numbers in Ohio yesterday. An additional 3,446 cases have been reported since the day before, bringing the statewide total since the pandemic began to 1,171,557. There have been 24 new virus-related fatalities reported, which brings the death toll in Ohio to 20,648. As many students return to class, the governor and the director of the State Department of Health are urging parents to vaccinate all children over the age of 12 against COVID-19. The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center gave perspective on Thursday about the rise of hospitalizations related to COVID-19. ONN's Corinna Nova has the details.
2: During a press conference, officials
0: said one in seven patients in the ICU are COVID patients. Just last month, that number was one in 37. Out of the 495 COVID patients at the hospital, about 1% were vaccinated. Karina Nova, ONN
1: News. The Ohio Supreme Court has agreed to delay its ruling in a lawsuit seeking damages against Volkswagen over an emissions scandal. More from ONN's Daniel Barnett.
3: The court ruled in June that a federal law doesn't preclude Ohio from suing the automaker for cheating on U.S. diesel emissions tests. At issue is the 2015 scandal in which the automaker was found to have rigged vehicles to beat the tests. The company paid more than $33 billion in fines and settlements. Volkswagen wanted the Ohio ruling delayed while it appeals to the U.S. Supreme Court. The state court agreed on Wednesday to that request. Daniel Barnett, ONN News.
1: I'm John Marshall, WFIN News.
0: Gonna jump right into it here this morning because it is time to kick off another high school football season. And we are so excited for the return of high school football and the return of full capacity crowds and all of the pageantry of the high school football atmosphere. Heading into a new season, new head coaches at both the area's largest and smallest schools have very different challenges in guiding their teams. Earlier this week on The Coach's Corner, our John Marshall spoke with
1: Trojans, Finley Trojans head coach, Stephen Adams. Can you give us a little insight as to what type of offense we can expect from the Trojans this year?
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll just talk about the, you know what we have. What's guaranteed to understand is that we have guys on our perimeter uh, that are pretty explosive. You know, Ben Ireland. You know, of our quarterback uh, Max Roth, um, you know Justin Roth, that you know receiver, and a couple other weapons that we have at receiver too. We've had that experience for a couple of years with some guys who have played. Uh, so I think we're going to be pretty explosive, but we want to be able to be a balanced offense. And when we say balanced, it's not just uh, 50-50 run-pass. It's really being able to throw the ball well. It's also being able to run the ball well and doing whatever it takes to win a ball game.
1: You've been in the program. Mm -hmm. You've been been at Finley City Schools. You know a lot about these young men, but now you come at it from a little bit of a different direction. I would assume that starting camp you have no real preconceived notions as to who would be Mm -hmm. in what position. So how has that gone, and can you give us a little bit about who is going to be leading your offense to start the season?
4: Yeah, so, uh, you know, once again, I, I had a feel for kind of the guys, and what we could do just kind of seeing them two years ago. Um, and those guys coming back and being seniors, I knew kind of who were the go-to guys, but we also wanted to figure out who everybody else was at this point in time with us and with our offense and where we stand. So, you know, obviously, once again, you know, Ben Island at receiver, Justin Roth at receiver, uh, and then Max will be leading the, leading the pack at a quarterback position a uh, senior with experience um, up front You know we have uh, Razeep Crutcher Matt Searles, two big seniors who are going to play offensive line for us and also Luke Montgomery who uh, has played primarily defense but is committed to playing, being an offensive lineman this year as well too so uh, definitely got a balance on, on, on all sides there uh, on offense uh, we're just trying to figure out more so important that we know who we want to be uh, it's time to go out there and figure out if that's who we are
1: Defensive philosophy.
4: What what are you going to do with the Trojans? Yeah, uh, we want to be sound. Uh, we want to be simple and sound. Uh, you know, at the same time, multiple. So I want to what we think as simple, but it looks maybe complicated to the offense. Uh, we want to get after the quarterback. We want to make him uncomfortable. Uh, we also want to be able to stop the run. I think about those key ingredients it takes when you see championship football unless you're the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you see uh, a solid balance of being able to stop the run and get off the field on third down. And on offense, obviously being able to run the ball and, and hit the shots when you have them. So we definitely want to attack. Uh, we want to be sound, but we want to be able to tackle and be fundamentally sound in all that we do.
1: Defensively, who are you going to look to uh, to execute that plan?
4: Yeah, um, you know, I was going to say once again, Luke Montgomery on, on that side of the ball. We have uh, Nate Regal, who's a rising sophomore, and a very talented young man and very strong. He really committed to the weight room and really works extremely hard. So looking for you know, those two to anchor up front. Uh, Sam out at, at our linebacker spot, our returner, uh, to, be, to do what he does best, right? Just lead and, you know, run the defense and call the, call the calls and make the calls. Um, and then obviously our defensive backfield again. You know, once again, it's a lot of similar names, right? So, you know, Justin Roth back there, Cam Stagnolia, who's really a guy nobody really talks about. Braden Lane, another guy. They're both quiet kids, Um, but two guys that really should not be slept on. These are guys who have also played as sophomores or seen some experience uh, or have some experience and are pretty explosive for us as well, too. So we'll lean on those seniors. Our senior class is very talented, so we're going to lean on those guys for sure.
1: So Friday night, you open up with Anthony Wayne on the turf at Donnell Stadium.
4: What do you expect to see from the Generals? Uh, A tough football team, an established program. Uh, Coach Andy does a great job with those guys. Um, He has it now where... They're hitting their stride on what he wants, and that's clearly being able to line up and be physical uh, on both sides of the ball up front uh, and see who's really really willing to stand in there uh, for four quarters or more if needed. So uh, nothing short of physicality. Nothing for of physicality on both sides of the ball.
0: Again, uh, new Trojans head coach Stefan Adams speaking with John Marshall in the coach's corner earlier this week. You can hear the Trojans opener tonight uh, against Anthony Wayne from over at Donnell Stadium right here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. The area's smallest school also has a new head coach taking the reins this year. And uh, John Marshall also spoke with Lee Summers
1: over at Van Loo. Now, the numbers are always a question when it comes to Van Loo football. So give us the scoop on how the roster looks as you start the season.
3: Like any year, we're a little low on numbers, um, but that's how it's been for a long time. And uh, we push through it. we got really tough kids here in the district. um, We get a lot of support from the the parents and the community and everybody that lives here.
1: So let's get down to business. Uh, How has your first camp gone with the Van Loo team?
3: Good. It's went well. We've got kids. They come out here, and they they work really hard, and they get after stuff while we're here at practice. Um, We've got some older guys that have been through three, four years of football now. Um, They have some experience and take charge and um, have good leadership for the younger guys. Um, So it's worked out pretty well so far.
1: Let's go ahead and start with the defense. Who are you going to be counting on to lead the defense this year?
3: Um, As far as leading the defense, in the middle, we're looking at um, Alex Secord and T.J. Rickle at the linebacker positions. Um, DB and corner wise we're looking at JR Snook, Jaron Cleffer, and Drum Cleffer to shore up the passing game and to help us in some additional run support.
1: All right now we move over to the offensive side of the ball. What's your plan? Are, are you making uh, wholesale changes or are you kind of sticking with uh, what the Wildcats have been doing for a while?
3: Um, some things will be similar and some things different. Um, we're kind of just a mix of Whatever we think is going to work on a week-to-week basis, Um, we can spread it out. We can stay in tight and run it. So we have a lot of different things in right now, and we'll just see what works from week-to-week.
1: And who are you going to be counting on in terms of making the offense go?
3: Jaron Cleffer at quarterback. This will be his fourth year back there at quarterback. Um, We're also looking at J.R. Snook to step up as a receiver for us, and uh, Jackson Temple at the running back position as a sophomore this year.
1: Now you open up on Friday night with Ridgemont, a team that was three and seven last year. What are you expecting to see from the Golden Gophers?
3: Oh, they're they're a good team, and um, they'll come in here and give it everything they got, and they, um, I've heard that they have some more kids this year, um, but they're always tough when we go against them, so we're looking at them to come in here and give us a really good game, um, and I'm sure that they'll give it everything they have.
1: What does your team have to do to earn that home win to kick off the season?
3: Um, defensively, we got to be able to stop everything they throw at us. Um, I think offensively, I think we can move the ball, but um, defensively, as long as we can make plays um, and stops when we need to, I think that'll get us off the field.
0: And new uh, Van Loo, head coach Lee Summers, with uh, John Marshall from the uh, coach's corner earlier in the week. The Wildcats open at home against Ridgemont, and honestly, it is an uphill battle. For Van Loo every single Friday night, but they are, I I think everyone has a soft spot for the uh, Wildcats. Best of luck uh, to them tonight over on our sister station, 100.5 WKXA. Our game of the week this evening has Lipsick coming to Liberty Benton. Uh, other games around the area, Van Buren at Elmwood, Corey Rawson is at Bluffton, Arcadia is at Harden Northern, North Baltimore opens the season at Evergreen, Riverdale is at Colonel Crawford, Columbus Grove at Pandora-Gilboa, that's always a great backyard rivalry, Arlington is at Paulding tonight, Macomb is at Lake, and over on 106.3, the Fox, Ottawa-Glandorf travels to Eastwood, you can follow all of those games and more in real time on the WFIN scoreboard page, powered by ScoreStream and presented by Owens Community College. That's at WFIN.com/slash scoreboard and linked up at goodmornings.net. And of course, catch the coach's corner with John Marshall live from Ralphie's Wednesday evenings at six or anytime on demand at WFIN.com. Well, you know, uh here in just a few days, originally the Marathon Center. For the Performing Arts was set to uh, host the uh, Fleetwood Mac tribute band Tusk for a uh, performance that uh, had to be had to be postponed. And, uh, you know, we were talking uh, a little bit before we went on the air that uh, when I first heard that that show had been postponed. I thought, "Oh no, here we go!" But it was a totally non-pandemic reason.
5: Yes, it absolutely was. It was a weather-related reason, but it yeah. was non-pandemic, which is <laughs> at least reassuring.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, you n- never want to have a uh, an equipment failure or anything like the uh, power uh, damage or lighting damage. At the yeah, yeah, yeah. The
5: the basically the box that powers all of our theater lighting. <laughs> Just got a little damaged <laughs>
0: <laughs> with the uh, storms that uh, came through yeah. a week or so ago. So, uh, you never want to have that happen, but certainly it, it could have been something much worse. Marathon Center Executive Director Heather clow is with us. Uh, an update on the restart of performing arts shows locally and how exciting is it to actually have stuff on the schedule once it, again?
5: It is super exciting. I mean, we have a few more outdoor shows and mm. then we're going to move inside and full steam ahead. Yeah, you know, we're excited.
0: And we were talking a, a a little bit that uh it's, it's such a challenge because so much of it is outside of your control. I mean, artists certainly have their criteria, certainly uh, right now with everything that's going on uh, about the requirements. As a matter of fact, you sent out a uh, uh, an open letter to the community and to uh, your patrons, uh, ticket holders and so on, uh, talking about how some artists are asking for audiences to show proof of vaccination and, and so on. And these are things that you just have to kind of deal with it or without outside of your control
5: yeah exactly with every artist we get what's called a contract writer right people have heard of them you know Mm -hmm. the whole only red m&m type of thing (laughs) Um, and more and more artist writers are saying that they're requiring proof of vaccination for not only the people backstage and on stage but in the audience now right now we don't have any that are doing that. I've been in email wing with all the agents and all of them are like, Well, we prefer it. Um, no one has said flat out. Yeah. And it tends to be the bigger names. I think one of the big artists that started this push was Jason Isbell, mm-hmm. um huge Americana guy. Yeah, um, you know, and he's he's requiring it. He's not gonna perform if the venue can't comply. Yeah. So uh a-
0: again, that may come into play at some point, And as you said, has not yet. Uh, we also have heard that some of the big names, Garth Brooks, uh, nine inch nails, there have been another, uh, some others that are, are once again, canceling performances. They are,
5: yeah. Now we haven't had any cancellations again. We're not getting those big stadium tours. Where, right. You know, sure. Got tens of thousands of people in one space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes a difference. Right. You know, when we're a smaller uh, marketing area, um, but you know, it could get to that again. You know, I just, I've, we have to say so flexible yeah. and the theater and the arts have always been flexible, but this is just, well, that's what I was going yeah,
0: to with- say. I mean, you're not uh, any stranger to, um, you know, demands of artists and, and having to be flexible with your schedule because things can be fluid, but this has got to be unlike anything that you've ever seen before. It
5: is, you know, yeah. even if we have to remain flexible and, and stay on our toes. There's this base that we could always rely on. This is how it works, mm-hmm. and that just went out the window, you know, yeah. a year and a half ago. Yeah.
0: That being said, as we uh, as we said, the uh, Marathon Center is uh, reopened. We do yes. have a number of uh, performances uh, on the schedule. Uh, you've got a an, an arts uh, an art display in the gallery we uh, as well. Yeah, so.
5: that one is actually kind of funny. You should come see it because it got lost between Oregon and here, and it took us a while to find it. For, <laughs> really? Yes, for the shipper to find it. So. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> but it's beautiful. Well, it's it's a lot of collaging. It's gorgeous and
0: uh, and a great story to boot. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and that's open daily. It, it is
5: uh, during our box office hours, so eleven to four every day. So you can and, and you stop by uh,
0: for those who have not stopped by the uh, art gallery uh, at the Marathon Center. It's on the uh, second floor, right? It's
5: on the top floor. Top floor. Yep, it's beautiful.
0: And yeah, it's a it's a wonderful gallery. Air conditioned. Always, <laughs> always, yeah, air conditioned, and always have uh, some really uh, amazing artists there. Yeah, some, we had Phil works.
5: Sugden. A for about a month mm-hmm. and you know he's a yeah. local artist and it's just beautiful yeah but we get them from all over the country
0: and it's free so yep, you can absolutely. drop by any uh, anytime you have uh, an hour or two to kill drop on by right.
5: come on a wednesday eat the foods trucks go to the gallery yeah there you go
0: there you go <laughs> or on a thursday with the uh, <laughs> farmers, farmer's market, market yeah exactly. sure uh they're in the uh, in the parking lot as uh, as well uh your next uh, actual performance uh is coming up next week right uh, um, the cuckoo kangaroo. Oh yes. Outside. Is, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah that a, is
5: a huge kid show. I mean, we've got like 400 tickets sold already for that parking lot. Um, I'm not into the kids' music as much, but people are very excited about it. <laughs> and
0: there are still tickets available for there that? There are
5: still tickets available. So
0: you can uh, check that out. What are some of the uh, the performances coming up in the uh, month of September? Yeah,
5: so September 9th, our last outdoor show is Albert Cummings. He was originally going to be a Live at Arms show, so he was going to be inside in the smaller space. Mm-hmm. But we moved him outside a Fantastic Blues Guy, and there are tickets available for that. You can buy like a circle for six or individual tickets. Mm-hmm. And then we move inside, and again, and another rescheduled show: The Blues Brothers uh, review. It's the only official Blues Brothers tribute band that's uh, certified by the families, and I'm really looking forward to that one. I love that movie, and they sound great. Yeah, that's
0: that's a such fun music. So it that'll is. be a fun evening. That oh, it, is uh, September it, the eighteenth, yes, which is, is. A, Saturday, it's a Saturday, right? Yep. And uh, then a couple of other things that are coming up in uh, anything else in the month of uh, September. Not in the month of September. Right now, the
5: kids are rehearsing for Cinderella. So we have the youth theater performance of Cinderella coming up. Tickets just went on sale to that.
0: And that's like right the first of October. Yeah. Right. So very beginning of
5: October. Yep.
0: And uh, with respect to that, I mean the Marathon Center. Obviously, what we talk about all the time are the performing arts shows and, and you know all of that. But you do so much more. Again, with uh, youth theater, you're going to be uh, you know with the with the schools involved with the uh, schools, yeah. uh, community uh, programming, and and so on. So, yeah, is that all restarted as
5: well? It has all restarted. So this summer uh, we did some park shows outside at the park. I don't know if you saw that we just took over the Riverside Park series. right? The, so we'll be focusing uh, on civic series. music, you know, civic bands and choirs there for mm-hmm. next summer. Um, you know, we have some art, visual and performing arts workshops about to be announced. So you can come and and do art in the space uh, where right now we have an adult uh, improv class for, and mm. they're going to be performing a showcase, I think next Thursday. Ooh, so they've that been sounds meeting like fun. Yeah, yeah. So we've been, you know, venturing back into some adult, uh, participation events and then we have our literary we have two literary things uh, authors coming up one in october and then one next spring
0: so, for those programs, if folks want to uh, get involved, you mentioned like the adult improv. That sounds like that would be so much fun. If, yeah. uh, you, if someone want to get uh, involved with that uh, program, that those details on the uh, website yeah, as well? Yeah, all
5: the details are on our website, right. usually right on the homepage. But at the top, you know, you can click some of the menus and find our educational and our outreach.
0: And tickets are on sale for not only the shows that we mentioned in September, but also for the entire season, yes. and uh, that includes season tickets and special. Uh, special packages for those who want multiple shows
5: Yep, and get discounts the more shows you buy
0: <laughs> and we've got the link up at our webpage uh, for more information about uh, all of the shows and the other things that are going on uh, within the community as well for uh, youth and adults alike uh, just go to uh, goodmornings.net for more info on that Heather Clough executive director of the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts with us this morning Heather thanks very much for the update we appreciate it thank you next guest is an award-winning entrepreneur and philanthropist who overcame some pretty significant career and health setbacks to reach the pinnacle of success and more importantly fulfillment in life tom lewis shares his story and the lessons he learned along the way in the new book solid ground and tom you say in your uh, the introduction to the book that today's popular culture has it backwards how so what do they have backwards and why
2: Well, uh, I love that uh, part of the book. It's in the introduction. I'll just read a couple sentences. But it says, to be successful in life, I've learned that you have, have to put first things first. But today's popular culture has it backwards. You can't find your passion until you develop your work ethic. You can't find your purpose until you discover who you are. You can't find your happiness until you find your talent and help others. And you can't find success until you earn it. So that's, that's what I mean by having it backwards.
0: So how do you define success then based on everything that you have experienced? And again, you, we talk about career setbacks, which everyone has, health setbacks. We all have setbacks in life. So how do you define success looking back on all of it?
2: My definition of success is the gradual realization of a worthy ideal. And that came from uh, Earl Nightingale, by the way. I didn't make that up. But I think that's what success is. You know, it, it, it's gradual, and and your ideal has to be worthy. And uh, I think that's an important point for uh, young adults especially is to, you know, it's great to set goals. But, you know, setting a goal to be a millionaire is not a worthy ideal. You know, setting a goal to be an outstanding uh, something is a worthy ideal. Mm. And so uh, – if you really uh, work hard and, and fulfill your potential, you, you will have success over time.
0: I have to word this kind of carefully here. Much of the advice and the guidance in this book is aimed at young people, as you were just referencing, and you are not a part of that generation. Much has been made about how millennials and Gen Z uh, are, are different than generations that have come before. They're mm-hmm. wired differently. They care about different things. How do you relate... Uh, To those changing mores of a young generation?
2: Well, um, you know, really the uh, genesis of this book is uh, my wife and I did college scholarships for 16 years to uh, sharp high school students in the metro Phoenix area. And we would interview about 40 kids every year individually for about an hour each. And so I spent a lot of time with high school kids over that period of time getting to know them and, and kind of beginning to understand how they think. And uh, about 2010, I started seeing a real shift in, the, in their thinking. And I think looking back, it was because they were kind of the, the cell phone generation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, I would ask students, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And they would say, I want to find my passion and, and live my dream, you know. And, and they'd been – and then I'd ask them uh, how important is career success – and they would say, well, it's kind of important, but I wouldn't pursue success to the point that I lost my happiness. So somewhere along the line, they've been kind of programmed to say, find your passion and be happy and you know, work smarter, not harder. So yeah. that they're being coached not that, that hard work is stupid and that what's really important is their happiness. So to me, the, the big issue there is self-focus. And, um, I heard a quote the other day that someone, um, said of a, of a wise man, he gave advice to a mother on how to raise a son. And his only advice was teach him to deny the self. And I think this is kind of the self generation. And I just, in one of the chapters in my book is called helping others, but we're, and there's another chapter on happiness. And, um, you know, I've I've read a lot about it, and I know a lot of the great thinkers are. Uh, I've read them, the great thinkers from Socrates and Aristotle to Dennis Prager. And uh, you know, one of the keys to happiness is focusing on others. If you focus on yourself, that 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 is more likely to lead to unhappiness. And so, I think there's some some important principles here that are that this generation is is missing. And uh, you know, that's, I'm probably not the first person to think
0: that yeah well that's what i was going to ask you know with all of that in mind do you believe that that is the the biggest myth that young adults are, are being sold today
2: well i have 10 myths that uh, and that's that's the first one i would and here's the myth following your passion and doing what you love is the key to success and happiness that's the, that's the biggest myth i think that's out there to me the reality is that success is the result of talent hard work and persistence Happiness naturally occurs when you help others have gratitude and grow as a person. So that's the reality uh, versus the myth.
0: Yeah. Now, you made your fortune in the uh, real estate and home building industry primarily, hence the title of the book. How does that business relate to the solid ground that you advocate <laughs> for those in you know, other f- fields of pursuit?
2: Well, solid ground—the phrase just came to me. And yeah. being a home builder, you know, I've I've had a lot of experiences with, uh, with when you build a bound a bad foundation, you you create a nightmare that you can never fix. Yeah. You ho- know, in, in a home construction world, and so we've had a few of those, and they never go away. And so, you know, if if you build your life, and now I'm talking about building a life. That's what we're. That's what this book is about: building yeah. your life. And if you build your life on a bad foundation, it's the same way, uh, you know, and, and uh, so it, the, the whole concept of, of solid ground is, is kind of a, a step-by-step principle or set of principles. I, I kind of put it in a pyramid form where there's three different life strategies, really. The first one is creating your foundation of success. And, and that's, that's the solid ground I'm talking about. And it begins with personal character. Uh, and then hard work, setting goals, uh, have, having self-awareness, and then helping other people. And those are, to me, looking back in, in my life, all those things have, have been critical to my success. And had I not had those things, I wouldn't have achieved success. So that, to me, is the foundation of success. And then I go, that's, so that's one kind of strategy. The next one is reaching your potential. You know, I've I've read all the most recent uh, success books of my generation, and uh, none of them talk about talent too much. I mean, that's kind of a new phrase, but so my uh, advice is don't worry about your passion that comes over time and that changes. Find your talent, what you're really good at naturally with little or no effort, and go after that and align your career with your talent. And then I thought about making good decisions and taking risks and Mm -hmm and uh, managing your career. So th- things that are practical uh, advice. And, and believe me, and, uh, again, I've talked to hundreds of young adults over the years, and um, they, are, they are really looking for good advice. And they're, and they're nervous, and they're, a lot of them are uh, scared and have a lot of anxiety over their future. And I, I really can't blame them. I think yeah. that I was 19 or 20 years old right now in college, <laughs> with all, and especially with all the chaos going on. I don't know what I would do. I mean, it's a it's a kind of a a, I think that's that's, uh, you know, valid. Mm -hmm. So uh, but I think my real hope in this book is that when people read it, they'll see some solid principles that will that will relieve them of the anxiety they have about career. You know, so many of these uh, these students. They think they're trying to find the perfect job. And you and I both know that there are no perfect jobs and that you, you kind of have to learn yourself uh, what you want to do. And so you really just have to get started and, uh, and move around. And uh, most people have multiple jobs. And by the time you've had four or five jobs, you're, you're getting pretty close to, to the right one. So uh, that, that's the way it works. And uh, nobody really teaches that. Uh, but uh, I think that's the truth.
0: Again, Tom Lewis is author of the new book, Solid Ground. Uh, it is a really uh, great uh, guidebook, if you will, especially for young people uh, to building a uh, not only a successful career, but success in life. And Do you have a website in conjunction with the book we can guide folks to?
2: Yes, we do. It's called solidgroundbook.com. And uh, the book is also available on Amazon in uh, hardback audio and ebook. And I read the book myself. So uh, I encourage people to, to check it out. We
0: will link up to it on our webpage as well. Tom Lewis, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Chris. Take care. We interrupt this program
1: to bring you a broken news alert.
0: Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news is brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. The crazy stories out of Florida are back. It seemed like for a while we uh, had a a bit of a lull from the Sunshine State, but you knew that couldn't last long. Uh, A a Florida man is facing a felony charge, a felony charge, uh, for a robbery... At a local convenience store, the a Wawa store. Have you ever been to Florida? They got Wawa stores uh, all over the place. So uh, Eric Minto walked into a Wawa store, pulled out a knife, <laughs> and asked for free food. When he was denied, he pulled, uh, or he opened, uh, let's try that again. Uh, Eric Minto entered a Wawa uh, in Largo, Florida, on Tuesday night asking for free food. When he was denied, that's when he pulled out the knife and pointed it at the clerk while saying, don't make me do something stupid for a Snickers bar.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that is a direct quote, according to the quote clerk. Don't make me do something stupid for a Snickers bar. According to the police affidavit, the victim handed over the Snickers because he was in fear for his life. Mr. Minto uh, then left the rest or left the uh, store. That's all Snickers bar robbery at knife point. It's a felony charge because there was a weapon involved. Mr. Minto was tracked down uh, through, uh, I'm assuming store security video, arrested for armed robbery and booked into the county jail where he is locked up in lieu of a $10,000 bond on the uh, felony count. (laughs) Don't make me do something stupid for a Snickers bar. Well, guess what? You already did. Mm -hmm. Also out of uh, Florida, this actually is a a couple from Florida arrested in Hawaii for, for attempting to use fake vaccination cards. Because there's this whole thing. You want to go to the island of Hawaii. There's a whole protocol for proving your vaccination status. Enzo and Daniela DiMazzo were arrested in Honolulu after attempting to use the fake vaccination cards for their kids, for their kids, (laughs) who who were born in 2016 and 2017. So you do the math and you know that the kids are too young to be vaccinated. (laughs) So it was a dead giveaway when they presented the kids vaccination cards. The couple from Miami were arrested as part of the state's safe travels program during the ongoing pandemic. (laughs) See, now, this is the this is the thing. How often do your kids uh, tell you uh, when they're talking about their math homework? When am I ever going to use this in real life? (laughs) Well, Here's a perfect example of a couple that couldn't do math in real life and it (laughs) ended up getting them in trouble uh let's see <clears throat> apparently it's a good day to be alive in oklahoma authorities in tulsa responded to a call of a body in a local river uh only to find that the supposed body was just a man relaxing <laughs> the uh, tulsa fire department and ems posted on twitter that they launched a rescue boat out to, uh, to find the man. There is a photo of this, and he looks like it's a dead body uh, lying in the river. But when they got uh, to the uh, site in the rescue boat, they discovered that the man was just lying in the water. <laughs> just lying there. They went on to advise that even though the river is low, it is still potentially dangerous in areas. Please stay safe and find alternate ways to stay cool. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm not dead. I'm just relaxing. I'm just hanging out. And a couple of animal stories in the broken news this morning. The Pennsylvania Game Commission has securely and safely captured a wallaby that was on the loose near Bethel Township. Its origins remain a mystery. A wallaby. Yeah, the, the wallaby. They typically have these down under. They are not native to Pennsylvania. And yet... In Bethel Township, Pennsylvania, several residents called to report that a the uh, a, a wallaby, a marsupial, was hopping through a field. <laughs> On Wednesday, officials say no wallabies have been reported missing in recent days. The animal... <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. That must have been a, a strange uh, phone call to authorities. Hey, anybody got a report of a wallaby being miss- uh, coming up missing? The animal will be kept at a wildlife facility while the investigation into its origins is ongoing. And finally, the international file of the broken news, another animal story. The French island of Corsica had to shut down its beaches. No, it's uh, not because of uh, jellyfish or shark sightings or anything like that. Apparently, aggressive cows started goring visitors on the beaches of Corsica. One man one man actually sent to the hospital after fighting with a herd of cows for a spot on the beach on the uh, north coast, uh, last week a herd of cows chased tourists through one of the island's most visited towns. <laughs> they, got a, they got a problem with aggressive t- cows on the island of Corsica. The uh, animals have also been seen denting cars, disrupting picnics, and damaging private property. <laughs> that's, just, that's just all kind of weird. Now the wallaby on the loose in Pennsylvania doesn't sound, you know, it sounds pretty mild by comparison. There you go. Uh, That is today's broken news report. This update and the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less. Of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
1: Want to stay up to date with what's going on with your favorite high school team? Get real-time score updates throughout the high school sports season with the WFIN scoreboard. It's as simple as bookmarking the WFIN scoreboard page or add it to your mobile homepage for the area's real-time high school scoreboard. Make it easy to follow your team throughout the season from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Bookmark the WFIN scoreboard page presented by Owens Community College at WFIN.com. Time for your
0: daily download now. The numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. And, you know, there are many things that the COVID-19 pandemic has changed. One of them is certainly how millions of people now go to work. In fact, a new survey seems to show that remote workers are here to stay. And if employers don't allow workers to continue to work at home, they will find employers that do This is a poll of 2,000 Americans commissioned by Kintone shows that uh, 76% of remote workers would jump at the chance to remain working from home permanently, and 72% say they would not even consider working for a company that doesn't have a remote work policy. 71% of those already working remotely say they do not miss their old office at all, and nearly half said a remote work policy is now their number one priority when it comes to employment. Number one priority. The poll also drilled down into what would make at-home employees' jobs easier. And this is kind of interesting. 48%, this is the the people that are working at home, what they wish they had available to them at home that would make the whole process a lot easier. 48% said better internet would uh, definitely make working from home easier. 38% want new office equipment. On the flip side, 36% said that their job is more difficult from home, and 34% say they are too distracted at home to work effectively. However, 71% said their work-life balance finally balanced out when they could punch a clock remotely. 45% enjoyed the flexibility in their Uh, schedule that working from home affords them, and 44% say they enjoy the ability to take breaks anytime they like, with the average remote worker doing so around every two and a half hours. That said, 29% responded that they have found themselves working more since they started working from home. Just over half, 51% of those polled, however, said they felt their work was acknowledged after the pandemic uh, sent them home to work so and of interesting uh, stuff there uh, in terms of how people are thinking uh, about working from home and I thought that was uh, really interesting uh, the number of workers that said that being able to work from home is their top priority and if they uh, don't have an employer that will allow them to work from home at least part-time they will quit and find one who does <music> And now once again, it is time to finish up today's program with another collection of tasty and relatively easy to make recipes from <laughs> Kyra's Kitchen. My wife Kyra has joined us in the studio and uh, today's main dishes yes. are are pretty easy to make. Yeah. The uh, dessert that you've chosen seems a little more...
6: A little more more in- ing- ingredients. Yeah, a few more ingredients. A little bit more normal. involved.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Than, But anyway.
6: But not too bad. No,
0: and uh, yummy. Good, uh, good Most stuff. Most of the
6: stuff you should have in your pantry.
0: So, well, that helps. Yes. All right, so we uh, get things started uh, here this morning. We have, uh, to start off, uh, skinless smoked sausage and pierogies recipe.
6: Yes, so uh, three tablespoons of butter, uh, a medium onion... Package of skinless smoked sausage, um, a package of small package of your pierogies. We use the cheese ones.
3: Mm
6: -hmm. Uh, A small. Does that really matter? I mean, you can get
0: different ones. Yeah, you can different ones. Whatever's
6: your favorite. I like the cheese ones. Okay. So that's what I got. Um, One small zucchini sliced, uh, a tablespoon of Dijon mustard two teaspoons of dried parsley, and two tablespoons of heavy cream. So in a large pot of water, bring it to boil, um, reduce the heat, add your favorite pierogies, let them boil um, um, till they float up to the top. Right. Um, Then once they're done, remove them from heat, strain them, and set them aside. Then – while that is while they're boiling, you can get your large uh, nonstick skillet. I used my electric wok. Again, I think my
0: wife actually I think owns stock in the wok company it's,
6: I could it's, yes,
0: always promoting. You are bound to determine to get people yes. to buy woks.
6: Oh, I love my electric wok. It's <laughs> it not is very just handy for Chinese food.
0: It is very handy, yes. especially for uh, something like this. Yes. But anyway, I digress.
6: Yes, it's kind of one. This is kind of one of those one skillet things. Okay. So add one uh, tablespoon of your butter and your diced onion Uh, fry for a minute um, and then add uh, your sliced sausage Uh, saute on medium heat until the onions are translucent and the sausage has browned nicely on both sides uh, stirring every once in a while Uh, then add your zucchini your design mustard and your heavy cream Uh, cook on low for about mm, 10 minutes or so And then remove that and set it aside on a plate in the same pan. Then add two tablespoons of butter and your cooked pierogies and your parsley and saute that on medium heat for about uh, five minutes, stirring every once in a while. You want to brown, try and get both sides of your pierogies browned up a little bit. Yeah, you're
0: not cooking those because they've already been cooked. You're just browning them up a little bit.
6: Yeah. 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 Um, And then uh, simmer on low. Um, Add your other. Add your sausage mixture and then simmer on low for about another five minutes and serve.
0: Simple as that. It's yeah. actually more simple than yeah. it, than it yeah. sounds. But uh, but yeah, when when you're describing it, sometimes it seems uh, yeah. more uh, yeah. complicated than it actually is. Yep. But uh, uh, really yummy, really tasty. Uh, yep. There, if you like uh, if you like sausage and you like pierogies, yes, it's good stuff. Yes. To go along with that, we've got a recipe for vinegar coleslaw.
6: Yes, so a bag of your prepackaged coleslaw of your choice, uh, a half a cup of apple cider vinegar, a quarter cup of white wine vinegar, a quarter cup of vegetable oil one cup of sugar, uh, give or take, Um, that's depending on your taste, Uh, two tablespoons of dried mustard, uh, one teaspoon of celery seeds, your salt and pepper to taste. So open your bag of coleslaw, uh, empty that into a large bowl. In a small bowl, um, add your vinegars, your oil, your dried mustard, your sugar, and celery. Uh, Whisk all that together until well blended. And then at that time, kind of taste it. And if, it, if you want it to be a little bit sweeter, then add a little bit more sugar. If you're fine, keep it that way. Um, you might want to add your sugar a little bit at a time because if you like it really sour, then you know, then you won't want as much sugar. Yeah. So I like mine on the sweeter side. So uh, then pour your sauce over your coleslaw, toss until completely covered. Uh, taste with um, with salt and pepper. Um, for the best results, let it sit overnight, but you don't have to. You can serve it within an hour or so, um, and then keep it in the fridge overnight.
0: This is not so much a recipe as it is just kind of a throw everything together yeah. and say, I mean, yeah. you're basically taking uh pre-packaged coleslaw and then spicing it up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
6: So. Well, I don't know that I just want to eat pre-packaged coleslaw. So.
5: <laughs>
0: no, I'm just, I'm, and then, no, that's, that's great. And it's, yeah. uh, it, but um, you know, I think of a recipe as you have all of these ingredients, you have a, a very set, uh, set of instructions, and you're basically telling people just do what uh, what tastes Whatever's good. easiest for you. you. You take the these are the things that you throw into it, and until it, t- it tastes good to you. Yeah, yeah. Hey. <laughs> so there are those uh, kinds of recipes uh, too, and this is one of those. Now the uh, the dessert. Uh, the chocolate zucchini bread. Now, this is a recipe because this is a set of step-by-step instructions.
6: Well, with baking, uh, you have to do that a yes. little bit more than than <laughs> with your cooking.
0: Um, so uh, the chocolate zucchini bread... Uh, is yummy stuff, but like we said, it is a little bit a little more bit involved. more
6: complicated. Okay. So a quarter cup of butter melted and cooled, uh, a quarter cup of sour cream, half a cup of bra- packed brown sugar, uh, a half a cup of sugar, one large egg, one teaspoon of vanilla, or two large eggs. I was going to
0: say. Uh, two, yeah, large eggs, two large one eggs,
6: one teaspoon of vanilla, one and a half cups of grated zucchini, um, and then you'll want to. When you measure that you'll wanna pack it tightly mm-hmm. um in your cup. Uh, a cup of flour, a half a cup of cocoa powder, one teaspoon of baking soda, quarter teaspoon of baking powder, half a teaspoon of salt, and three-fourths um to one cup of chocolate chips, depending on how you wanna yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. So preheat your oven to three hundred fifty degrees, spread a loaf pan spray a loaf pan with nonstick cooking spray set that aside in a medium bowl, whisk together your melted butter, your sour cream, your brown sugar, your sugar until that's completely uh, dissolved. Then stir in your eggs, your vanilla and whisk well. Then add your zucchini. Um, when you are blot, after you've um, shredded your sh- Zucchini Blot that up a little bit Try and get some of the moisture out of it Some of the water out of it So it's a little bit drier um, Not quite as as wet An expert Um,
0: tip there Yes
6: yes. Um, And then add that to the bowl And stir Um, Then um, Stir in your flour Your cocoa powder Your baking soda Your baking powder And your salt Then uh, fold in a heaping Half cup of chocolate chips Or more or less Depending on what what you like
0: How chocolatey you want it to be
6: Yes Then uh, reserve a little bit of the chocolate tip, chips to sprinkle on top uh, pour your batter into your prepared loaf pan uh, sprinkle with remaining chocolate chips bake for about 45 minutes or until a toothpick comes out clean um, check after 30 minutes um, but it's definitely going to take a little bit more than, than 30 minutes um, set aside to cool for about 15-20 minutes and then uh, let it cool and slice
0: That is yummy. Yes,
6: I like it a lot. And you can't even tell that there's zucchini in it. I mean... It just kind of gives it a little bit of a different taste, but you really cannot tell that there's zucchini in there.
0: So, don't tell the kids.
6: Nope. (laughs) Don't tell the kids, and they'll never know. They'll never know. Don't tell your husband. (laughs) They'll never know.
0: Well, I will, because I can read. Yeah. Um, yeah. The (laughs) recipes for the skinless smoked sausage and pierogies, the vinegar vinegar coleslaw, and uh, the chocolate zucchini bread are posted on our Facebook page, and uh, again... More recipes from Kyra's Kitchen to try in your family this week. And by the way, uh, I I didn't want to mention when when you did this the other night, you did the zucchini bread first. And while While that's baking, baking. you can put Mm -hmm. everything else together. So if you're looking to do it all at the same time, you do the zucchini bread first. Uh, get that in yep. the oven and then you can do all the yeah. rest of it.
6: And yeah. And one of the reasons I did this was because uh, uh, zucchini is like really in season right, right. now. Yeah. And a good friend of mine, Ann, from church, gave me my zucchini.
0: Very good. Thank so, you. Thank you, Anne. Uh, and thank you, Kai. Uh, yep. All of those recipes, again, at our uh, Facebook page. We've got a link to it at goodmornings.net from Kyra's Kitchen, my wife Kyra. Thanks, Kai. You're welcome. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. so check it out goodmornings.net coming up monday after a year and a half of stops and starts surges and challenges how do you see tomorrow we have results of a new survey about americans outlook for a future beyond covid19 so until monday morning that is good mornings for this morning Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend, and we'll catch you back here next week.